When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. At Boyle Sports, we are taking darts to the next level. Bet £10 on the Boyle Sports World Grand Prix and new customers will get £20 in free bets. Customers can also enjoy the daily full house price boost on every player and every match. Boyle Sports, this is betting. Oh, I've done it again. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the fallout. But I say good evening. It's the first time all week. It genuinely will start in the evening and we'll finish in the evening, Dan. How awesome is that? It's a it's a revelation, isn't it? I'm I'm being quite used to getting tucked into bed at half past four in the morning this week. So this is this is very, very interesting tonight. Well, unless we manage to talk for an hour and fourteen minutes about two games, one of which was very one sided and look ahead to a final tomorrow. But I highly doubt that. So uh <laughs> yeah, guys, you're in for an early night. Plenty of time actually to jump over and watch uh, the finals night of the Murder Super Series, week number twelve, the penultimate chance for the players to qualify for Champions Week. And I presume, as is the normal, they will be announcing the Week 12 lineup, which I've already seen and is exceptional. In fact, if we can get this stream to 30 likes, I may even spill it here. That would be amazing because I've not seen it yet. So I will be finding out along with everybody else tonight, which uh, which is fun. I'm just asking for permission now that I've said that, but you never know. Let's see how it goes. Anyway, semi-final night of the Ball Sports World Grand Prix in Leicester. First of all, Dan, a full crowd. That is what the arena is supposed to look like. Yeah, big difference, wasn't it? You could tell all the way all the way through from, from the very, very start of the introduction tonight. You could tell that it was a, a full crowd that were well up for it, that had um, you know, that had come to see uh, an exciting night of top level darts. It was in Indeed, uh, well, they anticipated a night of top level. Yeah, Whether or not they receive that is a different matter. I thought they were they were well behaved for the most part. The few pantomime booths would go when prices walk on, um, but in the most, I generally think they were better than they have been throughout the week as well. Whether or not that's because it was so much busier that the individual shouts and yeah, I think that's the case. I think it's a, a drowning out of you know of, of the what we saw earlier in the week. I think. 
there were no more no more shouts than we than we normally see at an event. They were just so much more apparent because of the lack of background noise and, and shouts and colo colo toure chance that that drowned it all down. It was, and I asked this on social media as well, Dan. I appreciate we're, we're stalling a little bit here, but we, we've got time tonight to have a conversation. But oh, where do you stand on darts, songs, and chants? Because oh, I've seen a lot I, of crowds get I've seen a lot of crowds get slated for being too quiet or too empty. Then you see certain songs get picked off. No one likes Yaya Colo. It's a football song, not even relevant. Rah, rah, rah. Stand up if you love the darts has been done for about thirty years. It's getting on a bit. Boring, boring tables and can't afford a table or feed the stands or whatever. It's more of a Christmas one, but it again overdone. The Icelandic clap got absolutely slated when it was a thing. There's only one Phil Taylor. Well, he's been gone nearly ten years now. Um, and then all the other ones that sneak in from football, whether it's been Scotland get battered or Forest get battered tonight or whatever. And I, I put it to you that football is as a as a sport have the most creative fans in terms of singing songs. You don't really get it anywhere else. You don't turn up to rugby with blokes in um, chinos and whatever <laughs> shoes you want to call it um, and, saying that, and singing along to some rugby sort of song that, that they've made up. It's natural that it transfers from football a little bit. And actually, I put it to you that them singing those songs all night creates a better atmosphere in the background, less likely the players get put off, and it's just better all around. Whether or not you like the songs or not, in their individualness, the fact they're singing is better than nothing. Uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm a big fan of a, of a chant and a sing song, and I, I have been um, many, many a time, the, um, you know, leading in, if, if not leading, certainly participating in a, in, a, in a song at a darts event. My personal view is I'm a big fan of chants and songs that relate to a particular player that is on the stage at the time. I'm, I'm, I'm here for that all day long. And also something that is a bit interesting and a bit relevant. Like I, the, the Torre chant, I would happily remove from the stadium anyone that's, that's caught doing that. Um, just because I just find it, um, it just irritated. I think it's just that particular song that irritates the life out of me. And I have, um, I know there's a few that the other team and, and maybe some even in the chat room that have been at darts events with me where I refuse to stand up if I love the darts. I refuse to have my I love. I sat down all night on Thursday and my friends are like, what are you doing? And I was like, do you have any idea how many times I've been in a crowd? Like, the novelty of standing up because yeah, I was, the, I was long worn off on me. The line I often use is I refuse to have my love of darts publicly tested by whether or not I'm willing to stand up and sit down. I'm and not bow down to this social peer pressure. The, yeah, that's it. I'm not being peer pressured into trying to prove my love for the darts. I think I think as well. The um, some uh, I've not been to. I've not been to Leicester. I'm not sure how how good and how sturdy the the seats are. But there are some venues that we, that we that we get to. I'm thinking Blackpool and one or two others where the, the seats aren't amazing and up and down off them all the time is just not my bag. But no, I'm a big fan of it. I like to hear it. I like to hear it when I'm watching on the television. Um, there are particular songs that aren't quite to my taste, but I very much like to hear the, the party atmosphere and songs. But no, I think, you know, I, I'm all for a Nathan Aspinall chant when he's on the stage, Peter Peter Wright when he's on the stage. You know, I, I, think, that's, I think that's what it's all about. I just think there's a lack of fan bases big enough for individual players that just support them that are crazy enough 
to go out and do that. So until there is, until we've got a Nathan Aspinall supporters club that's got 300,000 people in there and 30,000 people that turn up every single week to go and watch them, you're going to struggle to get those kind of songs. Um, hello to a few people in the chat room then. Let's actually start looking at the darts. Uh, Reese is in, as is Kieran and Jack. I won't go through your little debate at the very, very start, but good to see you having a conversation. Colin is in, he says evening. Preston, evening, here we go. Paddy is in as well, as is Rose, who says evening, early one tonight. Yep, thank Christ. Uh, Kieran says evening as well. Um, HJV's gone early, he says Aspelin in the Premier League 2023. Look, it is October. I'm still a little bit hesitant about that discussion, but yeah, there we go. Nathan was phenomenal tonight as well. Uh, Boise is in, he's, he's been on the AL tonight, or everything but the ale by the looks of it. It says, fall out by dream game. Every time Dan Simpson says, Glenn Durant, me and Haley have a shot. Glenn Durant, Glenn Durant, Glenn Durant. <laughs> Apparently, it's the same every time I say stupid, which means you're playing a stupid game. So that's five between you. Uh, brilliant. <laughs> what a night. <laughs> uh, Henry says, evening. Excalibur's in as well. And then a few more comments about the songs. Uh, Kieran says, I don't mind any songs as long as it's respectful. Um, Hayley agrees with no football chance at the darts. Then create a songbook for us, Hayley. You've already created some wonderful I was at the Players' Championship Finals last year down in Minehead. I was lucky enough to, to the, the, the my mate that I travelled with, that we we got um, sat on a table with a group of six lads from Scotland who had like essentially their own songbook. And it was absolutely superb. Like they were, And what was great is if, you, if you're there... You've got six sessions on the bounce and you end up sat with the same table to your left and right and in front and behind. And by the end of the Players' Championship Finals, by that match between Ryan Searle and Peter Wright, everybody in the sort of quarter of the of the um, stadium where we were were singing along with these songs. That they, they were started on, on, the, on the Friday by these six guys from Scotland just singing singing the, the songs they'd written on the way down. And that that it was that's what it's all about for me. The atmosphere was brilliant. There was a bit of creativity to it. It was relevant and really good fun. I like that. But like I said, we just don't have those fan bases to inject it into the sport, do we? I think we see a few more on the Euro Tour now. The influx of German fans at the World Championship a couple of years ago started to diversify it a little bit as well. Uh, but we're still struggling a little bit as well. Uh, an excellent question. You're not passed out yet, Lee. No, somehow he's still going. Um, Rose says, the Euro Tour have a club version of the Torre song in their playlist for the breaks. They do. And I'm a big, big fan of it. The Euro Tour DJ is my life aspiration. And I have no musical sense whatsoever. Um, and also, Rose says, oh, no, not the Premier League discussion. Really? Yeah, definitely not. Right, let's move on. Let's actually look at the darts tonight, which means I need to actually open this screen. Um, first game up, being billed as a stun, being billed as a shock. Yes, Gerwin Price was the world number one at the start of the week. Now Gerwin Price is not the world number one. Um, but performance-wise throughout the week, I think this was a this was a coin toss at the start of the game, and Nathan Aspel was the man who held it together the most. Yeah, it, it, I don't want to say it came down to bottle alone because both players, you know, played... Some of the checkouts we saw in that in that match were, were superb, and we saw some some incredible scoring as well. Um, but it, you know, Nathan just held it together at all the most important moments. He got in when Gezi couldn't get in, and he got out when Gezi couldn't get out, and that was you know that he he he, ju he just held it together. I think he used the exact right phrase there, Jack, and he um, he did a really really good job. And, and with you, I don't think it was a um, I don't think. It was 
the big underdog upset that some people are badging it up to be, but it was a hell of a performance and, and in, in more than just dart skill. Like there was a number of different layers to what made that a top performance from Nathan Aspinall and, and his ability to throw darts was only one of them. Yeah, finishing stats, excellent. 55% on the outer ring, 7-180s, 10-140s, 40 scores of 100-plus from Nathan Aspinall. And my thoughts on this tournament have changed an awful lot in this week. And I think this performance proves that a little bit more. When you think about this tournament, pre-event, James Wade is always the one that everybody goes, this should be perfect for him because he is one of the best double hitters in the world. It's not about being a good double hitter. It's about scoring a shed load once you're in. And if your opponent is not in and the pressure that that can create, or your scoring power to get you back in the leg, if you're slow to hit a double, the big scorers are winning this, and that scoring performance of Nathan Aspinall tonight was superb. Absolutely, um, you know I think you've hit the nail exactly on the head there, uh, and and he, he just had I never thought I'd say it to be honest. You know he, he had too much for for, for Gezi in that Gezi Price, the, the way that he scores and the way that he plays and the way that he plays, certainly the levels that he's hit this week and the gears that he's been able to find. Doesn't really matter if he, you know, he, he can he can play his way out of not getting in early. So you know, quite we've seen this week he's he's scored his way out of trouble when he hasn't been able to get in straight away. He's scored a, a, a bag full of points, and and he's been able to balance it. And Aspinall just didn't let him today. He didn't he didn't allow Gezi to to make those mistakes, and and he and he just couldn't score his way out of trouble. Yeah, as for Gezi, look out of the semi-finals, first time he's failed to reach the final in three years. I've been saying all week that I feel this tournament is made for him because he's so good on that 20 segment, tops and, and, and treble 20, that you just expect him to go 160, 180, 140 straight down the line. Hasn't really happened for him this week, which is a little bit disappointing for him, especially as, like I said, him failing to reach the final means he loses his status as world number one once again. Yeah, and I think I think it was a bit of a shock. I think what was a bit of a shock tonight was... The, the last two sets that we saw from Gezi before he came out onto the stage tonight were absolutely world-class. You know, we, we sat here the other day talking about how um, how impressive the way that he finished that match-off was and the momentum that he'd built and the gear that he'd found in order to do it. And and he looked sort of back to square one. He just he hadn't managed to, to and I appreciate he's had a, you know, he's had some time in between, but he, he just couldn't, he couldn't keep that, that momentum going at all. Yeah, and once again, um, one more thing before we do hear from Nathan Aspinall. I think that one is ready for us to go. It is. Uh, Rose says, Asp did say he likes being the underdog. I think that's a massively underrated part of Nathan Aspinall's game, to be honest. When he is the favourite, when he's got a target on his back, I do not think he enjoys it. And after that UK Open win, after that win in America a couple of years ago, I think that hindered him a little bit. People sat up, started taking more notes of him. The fact he's taken time away from the game, had to rebuild and work his way back up again, has given him that underdog status once again, despite when he's on his game, he's a top eight player in the world. Yeah, definitely. I like I you know, I had him personally, and I've been, you know, he's proved me wrong all, all week. But you know, early in this stage, whether the bookies had him as an underdog or not, I was thinking he was the underdog. You know, we didn't quite know the condition he's in. We don't know how comfortable he is. We don't know where he's at mentally with his recovery. You know, and 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 he's he's become 
a bit of an underdog now because because there's a bit of mystique and, and you know to to where he's at and and, and no one quite knows other, other than him um, and those closest to him. So I think yeah, you're dead right. He has he's he's managed to to regain that status at the minute. Sometimes playing a, a player who's, who's who's ranked further further down the rankings than than, than he is. Yeah, 100%. And this is absolutely not because Lee Boyce will have to do a shot if I say his name. But um, it's very similar to Glenn Doran in that regard. He, he loves being the underdog. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I still think that when, when those two played each other um, in, in, in very, very big matches, it was particularly interesting because you almost got the sense that both of them want, want, wanted to be the underdog and wanted to be, you know, what wanted to feel like they were up against it. And it was it made for a really strange dynamic, I think. Um, but he's, he's I, mean, I will come to it in a bit, but I certainly don't think he's going to be, um, he's going to be anything other than viewed and perceived as the underdog for the next 24 hours. So I think that underdog status is going to be something he can, he can carry with him, certainly for the rest of this tournament. Tom Brady has made an absolute career out of telling everybody that he is the underdog and riling up his teammates to say they're being written off once again. Nathan Aspel, very, very similar, and Glenn Durham. Before that, let's then hear from the Asp after his victory over Gerwin Price as he's in reach the final of the World Sports World Grand Prix. You know, Michael was amazing last night, but, you know, for me, Gerwin Price is the best player in the world. Um, and I'm thinking, just don't start, don't come off this break and, and hit top. But then, likewise for myself, I was a bit nervous the last two legs, so it gave me time to come off stage uh, and try and take some deep breaths. And uh, yeah, it, 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 it worked out well. I think it's massive. Um, you know, nothing set in stone, um, but you know, I, I, I'm, I'm probably the most open guy who does who does media, and I want to be in the Premier League. I want to be in the World Series. I want to travel the world. You know, I love my job. I've got the best job in the world, but. I want to beat with the big boys. I believe I'm a big guy. I think I proved it this week. You know, I beat number four, nine, and two in the world. You know, what does that tell you? Um, and I want to be in everything next year. Yes, the calendar is like ridiculous, and you know, I might have about two days off all year, thanks to thanks to the calendar. But I don't care. You know, I live and breathe darts, and uh, you know, I hope to God that I can, you know, win tomorrow and be, be, be in everything. Interesting thoughts from Nathan Aspel. Once again, talking up the Premier League, please just leave it alone. I hate that. See, I, I, I thought that so as soon as he, I, I, literally, I sort of winced in my seat when he said Premier League. And then I thought he immediately shut that down by listing a lot of other events as well that he wanted to. And, and, to, to, and then I thought, all right, he's just talking generally about getting his career back to there. I, think, I was quite pleased that he didn't focus you know, really narrowly on that, give me that spot in the Premier League. It was, um, I, I winced a bit and then relaxed. I'm not even sure that's the key part of the interview that you can listen to it full on our YouTube channel, by the way. I think Phil Vars just puts that in deliberately so that I say it's stupid <laughs> rather than that anybody else reacts to that. Yes, I did just say stupid as well, Mr. Voice and, and Hayley. Hi, it's Johnny Clayton. Boyle Sports are offering price boosts on the full house market on every player, every match. That's to win the match, hit the most 180s and the highest checkout in the Boyle Sports World Grand Prix. And speaking of stupid, Dan, um, Peter Wright's performance tonight when he chopped and changes his darts once again, absolutely demolished by Michael Van Gerwen, who averages just over 90, 91.64. Um, 
Peter Wright was not at the races. 4-0 in sets, 12-1 in legs. A few chances. Look, he finishes one from 20 on the outer ring in the end. But this tournament, more than any other, will catch up to you if you are constantly changing darts. You're chopping yeah. and changing another event. You find the line and the length on the treble 20 pretty quickly. You do an awful lot of practice on that treble 20. You spend most of your time throwing at those trebles. It's it's easier. I'm not saying it's the easiest thing in the world to change darts as frequently as Peter Wright does. It's easier to get your range back, get your rhythm back and start attacking it. When you are chasing doubles the way that Peter Wright was tonight, he had absolutely no range on that top sped to get in to start with, switching around. When you've got a different set of darts in your hand, different weight, different centre of gravity, slightly different grip, the way that he modifies his throw all over, in this event, stupid. Yeah, I think it's it's, it's madness. I, I, and, and, and that's the other thing is, you know, we've seen players this week and we've, I, I don't like the term playing it safe, but, you know, playing play, play the edges a little bit and giving themselves a, giving themselves some margin for error. You know, going for double 16s, going for double 18s, you, you've, you've got more margin for error than you have going in off tops. Now, if you are going to keep changing the darts that are in your hand, you're going to change weight and grip and you're going to change flight and everything else. When you're doing that and you're still going to go in tops and give yourself no margin for error whatsoever on, 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 on length rather than line, you are really, really going to be up against it. And, and I, I, worried the, I worried for Peter when that 167 went in, in leg one. And because I, I thought... I, I thought, the, first of all, we we all know what Michael's like when he gets ahead of steam, and I think you know something. It's it's rare that he get he does something like that in in, in the first leg. You think, all right, he's already there. He hasn't worked up to it. That's a, that's how he's hit it, and and I, and I did worry then that Peter would go into into panic mode, and and I think that's what we saw with with that the constant changing of darts. That that's what. It, I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. It was panic mode and it was, he needed, he knew he needed to find a, an almost flawless performance. And every time he let go of a dart, when it wasn't flawless, he went looking for, for something, for something else to, to, to try and get that. Almost blaming the, blaming the kit rather than the, uh, than, than its user, I think. Yeah, th th there was no need for the 167, which probably sums it up even more. If it was a steal, then Peter Wright might feel a little bit better about himself. But the fact he wasn't on a finish was so far back, he's like, hang on, I'm not even landing a glove on him at the minute as it is. But if he's going to start doing that when he doesn't need, and then as the game goes on and Wright's missing chances and he's a set behind, he's two sets behind, the outer ring's not quite going, you're thinking, 
what, how and where is this comeback going to start? And well, there is a point. The pressure builds. There is a point as well where you know even with even even for the very best players in the world, it it, it can get a bit too far away. Can't, you know, what once you've got to three nil and you've won a leg. Like it, it, you are a long, long way. You know, it, it is a very, very long road back then. Um, and I think we just we saw him panic, panic, and panic even more at that stage. Well, even with the performance from Michael, there were still extra gears there needed. He was eight points down on his average from the night before. When Peter Wright did get going in the third set and win a leg, he had a chance to then double it up in the following leg, missed a handful of doubles, and you think, hang on, if he goes into a piece here. It got a darts in the decided leg in that set. The comeback can start because that's only two one in sets at that point. But that moment there just let it get away from him. Way and that's much. it. We we we've seen you know the, the beauty of set play is you know you can be you can be masses of legs behind in 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 the grand scheme of things, but you can you can you can grab a set back and then you're only one set away and then once you you know and and and. and we just, I, I, Michael said, talks a lot about the right things at the right time, and for me, I think Peter tonight did too much of the wrong things at the wrong time. And and there was there was there was key moments where you know a double here and a double there will you know will will turn a game, but one out of twenty isn't going to get you over the line in the dog and dog. Well, at that point, he actually had more darts at a double to finish a leg. Then Michael Van Gerwen did. Admittedly, Peter's missing handfuls of three at a time in that in that sequence, and Michael might be hitting it first time, yeah. so he could have earned more if he'd hit it last starting hand every single time. But when you have more darts at double than your opponent in a match like that that was so one-sided, you're going to look at that as a takeaway and think, "What on earth have I done there?" Yeah, it just it it nothing nothing went right. You know, it, there was there, there was I mean. Through three more 180s than Michael, but there's you know through through four maxes to Michael's one. You know if, if you look at the stats, it's an it's, it's an unusual set of stats for Peter Wright, but nothing stands out more than more than the Dublin and and you know I, I, the game. I think the way the game got on top of Peter and Michael getting away and everything else that that came with that, the 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 root of that that Peter missed some very key doubles that where he, he did have opportunities. Michael Michael wasn't smashing him to pieces and not giving him chances. That, that that's not it looked the scoreline looks like that, but that isn't what happened during the game. Peter did have opportunities to stay in that game and to make a match of it and he and he just couldn't take advantage of them. Right, before we discuss or hear from Michael Van Gerwen, I've just been sent a little bit of a teaser of what might be included in that clip. So let's discuss the elephant in the room. This week, more than anything, has been a war of words rather than a battle of wits on the hockey at the minute. Gerwin, Price, Peter Wright, Michael Van Gerwen have all had their say. I don't want to start stirring things here, but in my opinion, it was started by Peter Wright at the start of the week. He was the first one to sound off, brought the others into it. If you're going to start something like that, you better make sure you're the one to finish it. Oh, I, I, I think... I don't think he sees it like that, you know. And I might be a million. I might be completely wrong. Is that I just think it's an element that he that he wants to add to his game. You know, I think you know we look at Peter and we look at Peter Wright is a man that thinks there's a lot more to winning darts matches than throwing darts at the board, and that's evident 
by the amount of times he changes his darts and changes his set up and do every, you know, does everything else that he, that he does. And I think that this engaging in in mind games is another is another element that Peter Wright thinks will you know will add to his his game. Whether that's for himself or you know whether whether he's doing that for himself and he wants to be engaged in that. Whether he's doing it because he thinks it plays games with everybody else, I I, I don't know. But I, I think I, I I'm not convinced that you know. It is a case you know, that he feels he has to back it up because he says it. I just think he sees that now as part of his approach to, to playing professional darts at the highest level, is that he's going to do mind games. You know, he's, he's referenced this week, you know, seeing other players do it and, and, and learning you know, how, how that's been and Phil Taylor doing things backstage and speaking to people. And, and, and I just think he now just sees that as another, another um, tool in his arsenal as he, as he moves through his career. Is it a tool for him, though, or is it getting to the point where it's having the adverse effect? It is firing up players like Michael Van Gerwen, who for a long, long time was as mentally strong as we've seen Phil Taylor in the past, who is renowned for being the very, very best at this. He, he, he made a fair few enemies in his time to Phil Taylor, but nine times out of ten, he came out on top. He had his battles with Peter Manley. He's had war words with Kevin Painter, Paul Nicholson, etc. in the past. But Taylor won. All of those he learned from Eric Bristow, who was very, very good at it. Even when Michael started chatting, Phil Taylor still has a positive record against Michael Van Gerwen in every single televised event but the Premier League. Mm-hmm. That's some record for a man who was on his decline and MVP yeah, was on, yeah. on, on the, the, way best down. the best player of all time, by the way. It's amazing how often that doesn't get bought up. Um, but in, in terms of Peter Wright, I, I, I was. As a as a first year uni student walking into a new environment, playing pool and darts, etc., and in any sport, I consider myself to be very much like Peter Wright. I was very do a lot of talking first and try and back it up afterwards. And eventually, when you take that many bashings and knock down a peg a little bit, or you you leave with egg on your face, or your face ends up the same colour as that Liverpool cushion behind me, it, it has a negative effect on the way that you approach things. And granted, Peter Wright over the last couple of years has had his most successful years as a dark player ever. Two world championships, a world match play, and God knows else what. Being world and one for the very, very first time. But unless you know you're going into an event at the very, very top of your game, do you think he's now at the point where he feels like he has to do it every event because he's done it before? Yeah, I think it's become part of his character. Yeah, I think it's as much part... And, 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 and let's, be, let's be really honest... Peter Wright comes out tonight wearing taco-themed trousers with a multicoloured mohawk and his head painted. Like the Peter Wright that we, the public, see as a professional sportsman is a character. Mm-hmm. He's, he's a, he is a character. You know, Snakebite is a character played by Peter Wright, and and I think he sees that. Those mind games and that talking—that's that, part of the snake bite character, isn't it? You know, That's—it's. It, um, I, I think that's what he—that's what he sees. It's—it's it's part of the persona that he's created, and it's part of the. And, I, and I'm not sure he knows how how to unpick it and how to undo it and, and where to stop. Yeah, indeed. Right. Let's then hear from Michael Van Gogh. We've made you wait long enough. See what he had to say in his post-match press conference. Uh, yeah, I think Peter really underperformed. He didn't play well. I think his starts were absolute crap, and uh, then maybe we win this game. And uh, it was quite easy to be fair. I didn't really 
I wasn't struggling one point in the game, and that gives you confidence. That, gives, that, that makes you hunger for more. And yeah, thanks for that. Like you say, Peter didn't perform. I know you're one that likes to judge players in the practice room. Did you get that sense that he, he wasn't at the races tonight before you went no, out? No, no, but with all due respect, he, he's been getting away with murder in the last few games because I think Dimitri had five match darts to, to beat him and things like that. But then you still have to beat Peter White. Peter White is a phenomenal player. I got a lot of respect for him. But he, he needs to shut him out and just throw his darts and that's where his strength is and not when he talks too much he's only going to put him off and everyone knows that but he never learns he never learns Premier League World Match Play final here tomorrow yeah. plenty of TV tournaments coming up can you do the clean sweep between now and the end of the world why not why not why couldn't I if you look to the performance, how I've been playing, of course, in the last tournament I've won, I, I've not been on my best, but now I start to do some great damage again. And when I'm starting doing that, they all know what they, what they have to do to beat me. And uh, that's not easy. That's not going to be easy for them, especially whenever the guys I'm going to meet is going to be far in the tournament normally. So I, I just need to do the thing what's right for me and uh, keep this performance going and uh, I feel comfortable. I like that from Michael Van Gogh. Yeah, I, I want to go back to that conversation we had about Phil Taylor era and when MVG would sound off and, and try and have those battles and etc. I think there was a, a growth there from Michael Van Gogh and a maturing of, look, in the past, if somebody called him out, he'd walk in that room, he'd sit with a smug grin and go, <laughs> come at me and sound off straight back on his opponent. He still keeps going with the same line. If I'm at my best, everybody knows I'm the best and they've got to come and beat me. That takes some restraint, I think, from a character who is still quite fiery and able to just sound off on anybody at any point because he's usually had the ability to back it up. Yeah, and I think we have. You know, we've seen a little bit of, of a resurgence, you know, this, this year from Michael Van Gogh. You know, we, we had, a, we had, a, we had a, a, a few years, you know, it seems unusual to say we had a few years where he didn't win the World Championships. And, you know, we, we are, I think what he's done is he's, he's not so much reinvented himself, but he's had a, he's, he's had a resurgence this year where he's, he's won some big events and he's come back around. But, but he does seem to have done it, as you say, with a, with a level of maturity that we've not seen from him before. And, and, it's quite refreshing in in a in a way, um, because you can't be a darts fan and not enjoy watching Michael Van Gogh and play darts. So you you you, you can't be because because when he is on form and playing his best, it's a very very beautiful thing to watch. And and I quite like that he's he's sort of pushed all that other stuff aside and he's removed that and there's no drama and he, he he's he's just performing and that's what he wants to be judged on and that's what he's there to do and all about. I think you're right. It shows a level of maturity that we've not seen previously. But I'm all for it. I think it's um it, it's it, it's definitely a positive move for him. And I, and again, I, I've said it a couple of times this week. It's terrifying for everybody else. Does, it, like, does that make it more dangerous, the fact that he is yeah. so much more relaxed on his way back to the top? He's not getting above and beyond himself. He's just calmly going about it. There is a steeliness to Michael Van Gogh. And even in the face of terrible form 12 months ago, where I've he went trophyless or TV titleless for 12 months, which was unheard of for Michael Van Gogh. And he was titleless for 14, 15 months. That doesn't happen to Michael Van Gogh. And yet he kept saying the same things. 
He never lost his call once, not in front of the media cameras or anything like that anyway. And to the, the common dark man, nobody would know any different that Michael Van Gerwen went titleless for 15 months and is on his way back up to the top. You'd look you at know. him tonight, you'd look at the way he's talking in the media and everything else and go, actually, the darts are pretty similar to what he was dominant with now. They seem to, There's been no conversation about the darts for at least six months now, the actual physical barrel. That seems to just be settled. Yeah, it's gone, hasn't it? It's gone completely and being put to bed. He's doing everything that makes him look like he is the best player in the world again. He's won the Premier League, he's won the match plays in the final of the Grand Prix, and he just doesn't seem to have cared. And, and But I think, and that's what I think makes him a, very, a, a terrifying and dangerous prospect for everybody else. And, and I think, you know, he he was, he, he has been in his career susceptible to some mind games, to becoming wild, to becoming, you know, to in, involved in things that weren't just throwing darts at the board. And, and, and I don't think there's any coincidence that that's where Peter Wright focuses you know, an, an awful lot of, of what he does. He, 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 if Peter Wright can be playing anybody in the world, he'll go and give an interview about Michael Van Gerwen. And, and, and the reason I think for that is that Peter thinks that for, for the longest time, Michael was susceptible to that sort of, to that sort of thing. If Michael can shut that out, then, then you know, that, that element that people could have, could have had over him, that, that um, you know, that extra, that extra hook somebody could put in isn't there. And, and they've got to just beat him on the dartboard. And, and that's very, very difficult to do. They have. Now on to the important question, Dan. And Nathan Aspen will beat him on the dartboard tomorrow. Hugh, he can't. <laughs> you knew that was coming, surely. <laughs> yeah, for it. He, he, he can beat him on the board tomorrow. I don't think he will. I think he goes close. But I don't think he will. Um, I, 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 he's definitely capable. Um, he's, you know, he's, he's beaten him plenty of times before. He's beaten him at big events before. But he's beaten him on the television. I don't think that happens tomorrow. Um, I think up there head to head in the last five years. Played eleven times. It's eight three to Michael Van Gerwen. Yeah, that sounds about right. I, I suppose they both had a dip at the same time, didn't they? So. Yeah, um, and I and I, I almost feel like I'm foolish in doing so because I have I've I've picked against Nathan in in pretty much every round of this event. He's made a fool out of me all the way through the tournament, but I I'm, I, I just can't see a scenario. I, I, this morning I couldn't see a, a winner of this tournament that wasn't Michael Van Gerwen. Um, like before this before these matches tonight. I couldn't see anyone other than Michael winning it. And, and, I, and I've got to just stick with how I felt, really, for the last 48 hours. Interesting. Scoreline? Uh, five. Three. Three all, then five three. Oh, an, an extra layer to it. Um, do you know what? think I completely agree with you. He just looks imperious when he needs it. I think he's got the extra gear. If, if one of these players needs to get near that 100 average to get over the line, I see that from Michael more than I see that from Nathan. If he can That's keep it. it tight, 
if he can keep scrapping, if he can keep putting Michael under pressure, and if he can keep doing the most Michael thing of, of all, which is do the right things at the right moment, give him a chance. That's the sport of darts all over, isn't it? And it Absolutely. would be fantastic for the sport of darts to see Nathan Aspinall lift another major title as well. It would surely put him in the Premier League as he wants, definitely in contention for some of the World Series events, um, and would really not, not shake things up, but in a year where last year and the year before we saw so many different winners, if Michael Van Gogh is to go back and dominate things and lift every single title, the conversations we're currently having about world number one, if he goes on to win the world championship, are null and void for 18 months well, yeah, over again. And I quite like talking about world number one, and I think the players do as well. The, the, and, and I think, you know, there's, a, there's an element of me that thinks there's an awful lot of talk about world number one at the moment because everybody knows that there's some big, big money tournaments happening. Oh, let's be honest, almost back to back. Like we've got a really tightly packed couple of months of major, major tournaments. And there's some players with some big, big money to drop off if they don't win or final or, or become finalists in them. Um, so, I, you know, there's a lot of talk about that now, and that's potentially because in a month or two's time, that conversation's completely irrelevant, and we're all just talking about Michael Van Gogh again. Yeah, I mean, you say the next couple of months are busy back-to-back. -back. I was having a look through the calendar of eight. My next free weekend is April. And I think that might be a stretch, because the Euro Tour goes absolutely berserk. Next year, darts is non-stop. Right, that is a wrap for the Ball Sports World. Grand Prix. I mean, we've reached 21 likes. I asked for 30. And I know I'm allowed to give you the first six. So I'll, I will give you Group A. For Group B and C, you'll have to keep an eye out on social media. And they're definitely going to announce it between the semi-finals this evening. So Group A of the Super Series next week. Chris Mason, who has been telling everybody he's playing all the time anyway. He's let the cat out of the bag very, very early. Gary Robson. John Boy Walton. The World Seniors' latest edition, Mark Dubbridge, Tony O'Shea, and Wes Newton. That is a lineup. And I'm telling you now, the other six players are just as interesting as that as well. Wow. Yeah, that is a that's a proper lineup, that club. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of it. I'm, I'm not leaving YouTube next week. Those six, plus the six that come in afterwards as well. Very yeah, cool. a very, very cool mix of players that have some really good games to be had, I think, across that yeah. uh, So, across Champions that uh, Finals Night of Week 11 is still underway on our YouTube channel. You guys can head over there and watch it now. Let's see who won the poll, by the way. 70% uh, say Marco Van Gerwen will pick up the title tomorrow night. No fallout bar uh, tomorrow night, as a post-reaction to the show will be straight on to Monday night's live lounge. Myself, Phil Bars will be back from Leicester, and Lee Boyce might have sobered up by then. Glenn Durant, <laughs> yes, Glenn, Glenn yes, Durant. A few more Glenn in there for you, Boyce, and I'll chuck a stupid in there for good measure to say good night to Haley as well. And a good night to everybody that's watched us throughout this week. You guys have been absolute superstars. As I said, we'll see you on Monday for the live lounge. At Boyle Sports, we are taking darts to the next level. Bet £10 on the Boyle Sports World Grand Prix and new customers will get £20 in free bets. Customers can also enjoy the daily full house price boost on every player and every match. Boyle Sports, this is betting. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... 
HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 